Take it easy, Pete. Start again. This is Pete Feenstra on Monday, the 6th of April, 2009, in the heart of London, talking to the guitar legend that is Joe Satriani. Thanks for being here, Joe. Thanks for having me. You're here to talk about Chicken Foot, the brand new project, yeah. new album, and the show that you've got coming up in London. I yeah. believe it's at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. On the 25th of June. Do you know well? You played there before, of course. Yes, yeah. With the G3 project. Yeah. And the album comes out when exactly? June 8th. Uh, yes, here in the UK, June 8th. On Air Music? Yes. Is that a German label? It is, from uh, Edel, Adele? Yes, Adele, Edel. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they pronounce it. How, how did you hook up with them uh, for this particular project? We, we were looking for an independent route from the beginning because yeah. we, we got together on a whim and we decided no outside influence. So yeah. we, we paid for the whole project ourselves and we waited until we decided we liked it. Yeah. And then we we said, okay, now we're ready for the music business. And then we figured, well, we're all associated with Sony, Warner Brothers, Roadrunner, individually. individually. So yeah. let's. How do we do this? So it seemed like the independent route was a good idea. So we picked Best Buy in North America, and then we started looking for something independent uh, that had a huge distribution and a good musical staff. And yeah, uh, Edel Edel yeah, yeah, yeah. was the one. Was the one. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, that so on the basis of that, you're starting a tour, I believe, in Europe as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of makes sense. We're going to do this little like "Hello, how are you?" kind of club thing for the press and the, and some uh, rabid fans uh, at the end of middle of April through the U.S. Yeah. But only about four or five shows. Yeah. But the real tour starts here uh, in Europe. We'll, it's primarily a festival tour, but we picked four or five places to do an actual solo show. Right. One of them will be the Shepherd's Bush. Show. Yeah, great. So this band came out of uh, basically having a jam with Michael Anthony, with Sammy Hagar, mm. Chad Smith, a super group after all, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm. How far back does that go then, the origins of that, when you, when you first started working? Well, well working I, was, I was in a band with Mike and Sam about seven years ago for like a, you know, a second. We were in right. a band called Planet Us. Right. And um, Good name. It, it, uh, it just didn't work out because, you know, Neil Sean and, and Dean Castronovo from Journey were in it. Yeah. And we all had these other bands that were demanding Busy. our attention. Yeah. So we couldn't get that off the ground. But I've known Sam for a while. So he just gave me a call one day and said, come on, let's, let's go to Vegas. I'm doing a show. We'll jump on stage at the end and have a jam. It just turned out that the jam was so good Right. that we decided we had to do something about it. So we followed it up with a writing session and then followed it up with another recording of demos and it just kept getting better and better so we just every two months we'd find three days to get together again yeah. until we wound up at the end of last year and we booked a stretch of weeks uh, in, in uh, up in Northern California right. at Skywalker uh, Studios and did the record. Yeah. So. But it's one thing to jam and it's something completely different to actually lay down some material and find a direction. Mm -hmm. Was that a problem? I mean, you're all immensely individual talents, but I mean, it's where did the style come from? Did you sit down and say, this is going to be a hard rock album? This is going to be the new Zeppelin album? Where, where did all that come from? No, I mean, that's a good question because I, I wondered that myself. Yeah. You know, after the, the the fade of the volume and the, and the lights and everything, and I'm, yeah. I'm sitting at home, I'm going, this is great, but what, what are we? What is Chicken Foot? What, yeah. we, what kind of songs do these guys like? And I didn't know them well enough. Really? And so I wrote, the first demo CD I made for them maybe had six or seven songs, and it was stylistically like all over the map. I imagine. You know? And I just thought, maybe they'll like one of them. 
And so it, it really did work. But what I found out was that, you know, they liked the stuff that was rock and roll-y. You know, yeah. they like this stuff that was kind of weird and dark. Yeah. And so I thought, well, this is great because I'm getting positive response from a wide variety of styles. So I just kept doing that. And there'd be, you know, if I did a seven song demo, I'd get thumbs up on six. Right. And, and a bit like, I don't know about that number seven, uh, you know. Yeah. And so that would inform me like, okay, you know, Sam doesn't want to have to sing a million words over a super fast tempo song. And then I'd say, okay, I won't write any more like that. And but would these all be finished songs, or would these just be guitar? No, they'd be like demos that I, I would put, you know, uh, V drums, and I'd play bass, and I'd put a bunch of guitars oh, on, do all, yeah. and I'd leave the vocal melody to Sam, yeah. you know, um, and he would come up with his own approach on it, and then the Mike and Chad would listen to it, and they'd just change it however they wanted to. Yeah. They'd go from, you know, something that had all cymbals to all tom-toms, you know, I mean, sometimes yeah. Chad would take it radically different. Yeah. And then some of the demos had no drums, or bass on it at all. It was just a camera like this, and I'd just play a part. And I'd yeah. do like a minute and a half version of the song. I'd email it to them, and I'd say, if you like it, then I'll finish it. You yeah. Know? And so th that turned out really good, too. But so they had a, quite a creative input then. Yeah, the whole band did. The, it was really the, the opinions of everybody in the band that really informed the style of the record. Yeah, and the style of the record, it has been said, it might may have been you, it may have been Sammy, it might, might be any of the guys, but this is like Led Zeppelin. Was that a statement of intent of confidence <laughs> in the project? I think that was something that Sammy said that he wished he hadn't. But I, I think what he meant was that it's, he was trying to explain that it was a band that was, the, that was capable of rocking in the most solid way without any modern affectations. And I guess somehow band, yeah. he was looking for some band that he admired that had that sort of quality to it. So Led Zeppelin came out. Of course, the quote was changed to, we're as good as Led Zeppelin, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. which he regretted. Well, no, I think it's a great album. Uh, where, where do you see it fitting in the contemporary rock circuit or market? Well, is there such a thing, because it's all so fragmented? You know what, you've you got to make your own market. Yes. That's the way it is. I learned that with my instrumental music, which was like the worst idea ever, to do an instrumental rock and roll oh, album. Right. But then I thought, well, I'll just create my own market. That's a, that's a great and, idea. And I'll just do what I like, and then if people come, then that is the market. So um, I don't think we're worrying about that. We're just not. We're 100% committed to the music that we've created on this record. How it fits into the world, we don't know. We're yeah. not even bothering to yeah, ask yeah. ourselves that question. And it's been widely reported that um, for many years you wanted to actually work with a band with a good front man, great singer. I tried, yeah. yeah. I actually had a separate deal with Sony to uh, build a band around a singer, and we just could never find a singer. I think right. we spent like three or four years trying to do that, and we just never found the guy, so. Yeah. But of course, you did work with Purple temporarily, and you yeah. worked with Mick Jagger. Yeah. They're a great, great front men, so that must have kind of given you a fillet towards doing that. You know, it was great, and on the other hand, it was terrible because I could never find anyone as good as Ian Gillen. You yeah. know, and that's yeah, what I was yeah. looking for somebody like that, and and so that's when I thought, oh, the hell with the whole singer thing, you know, I'll just I'll go back to just doing my instrumental stuff, and then this thing kind of fell in my lap. And of course, you did work with Gillen on Gillen Inn. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, yeah. We met him last week. He mentioned it. It was great. So, um, just thinking about the band, if it does take off, and if everybody does embrace it, and it, it, there's a four songs that we will talk about shortly that are commercial and could really have good radio play. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, would you have the individually? Would you have the time to take time out from your own careers to actually see where it goes to? I think so. Run it to its potential. I think that we have we have a, a clear schedule for this year um, to introduce ourselves properly yeah. to a good number of fans. You know, we have not only this. Uh, this festival tour booked. We have at least a 30-day tour booked in the U.S. that'll take us right to the end of September. So, um, we're, and we'll keep going. Yeah, you know. I love it. Good. Yeah. Well, hopefully it will kind of evolve and, and get bigger. And if you pick up the radio, which you hope you will, yeah, it's kind of a benchmark. For, that's why I asked the question really in, in 2009 to see how a hard rock album like this, how far it can go, yeah. what it can garner new audience yeah. for one. Uh, now we've got the internet, which kind of helps. Whereas it does. certain radio won't play you anymore, not That's just right. you, but everybody. And, mm -hmm. uh, no, sometimes it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, uh, just as an aside, were you surprised when your instrumental career took off as such? Absolutely, but pleasantly so. Because it was so different at the time. Yeah, it was, and and I've said it before that we really thought that the surfing record was the last record that they'd ever let us make. And when I say us, I mean me and engineer uh, John Cunaberti, yeah. Jeff Campitelli, who was with me. Because we had been, all been in part of a band before right. I went solo. So we, we thought, well, this is a lark. And it was so difficult to get the funding to get it finished. And uh, when we handed it over, it was sort of like throwing our hands up and say, okay, we'll go back. We'll never bother anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so when the album took off, it was a vindication as well as a complete surprise. Yeah, and, and here we are, and now you're ahead of the game. You're, you're, the, you're the guy that everybody looks to. I mean, uh, yeah. playing-wise and creative-wise, album-wise, which, which makes the whole thing about Chickenfoot so interesting, of course, because uh, looking at the four people in that band, I mean, uh, again, in the PR, it's mentioned that, that you, don't, you didn't put any pressure on, on yourselves, but actually you did, because you had to come up with all this material. That's you had true. to come up with an album worthy of the names in the band. We did. Did you feel that? We, no, what we wanted was to m make great songs. I think everyone right. was trying to impress the other guy in the band. No bad you know, thing. By saying, this is a great song, <laughs> and, and, if, and if you think it needs something extra, please help me write it. You know, and that's, yeah. that was the way that we worked. And so Sammy would rewrite the songs over and over again. If he didn't like the lyrics, he would just come up with different concepts. So a song could, you know, right. be about going this way or going that way. Or sometimes he would just he'd catch on to an idea and he would work it and work and work until he got the lyrics just perfect. It's he kind of organic, then. It's kind of yeah. keeps it fresh. It was and great. And yeah. he's, you know, he sang on every take, and all the takes are are all the songs that are on the record. The recordings are built around live takes. Right. Where there's a live bass, drum, and guitar part, and a lot of the vocals are from the, those live sessions. Right. Getting back to some of the individual songs, uh, songs like Oh Yeah, Running Out, mm -hmm. and My Kind of Girl, they've all got radio potential, they're yeah. all kind of crossover potential. Was that, were they written with that in mind? No, they were, it's written in the most innocent way, you know, like My Kind of Girl. Uh, I think I wrote that riff and I filmed it on my, on my laptop, right. and, I, and I showed the guys, you know, and um, and it was more, I thought it was sort of a little bit more heavy metal sounding. Mm. And then I, when, when we got to the studio, I was plugged into this PV50 watt that had a more jangly quality to it. So I started playing it and Chad was like, you know, I like it better like this. Kind of like wow. more Rolling yeah. Stones sounding like. Yeah. So it was like, okay, so I said, pick a tempo. And so he found the tempo that he thought was right. And then... Uh, um, right to suit his... Yeah, to his brain. idea. Yeah. And then 
uh, Mike came in and he was thinking, well, maybe I could, you know, reduce some of the things you're doing and come up with this, and I like that idea. And then Sammy starts singing. He, he, you know, bounds into the room and says, I got it. I know what this song's all about. I want to go sing it right now. Let's do it. <laughs> so we had to quickly write a bridge and a solo section. That was the only thing yeah. that hadn't been written. So I came up with something with, with Mike on the spot, and then we recorded it, and bam. Oh, that was the first time we heard that it was going to be called My Kind of Girl. Wow. So it wow. instantly became a lot more commercial just in, in a few organic moments in the studio. That's the best way. Yeah. Very much so. Um, on Soap on a Rope and Get It On, there are a couple of riffs on there which do sound like Led Zeppelin or that kind of, they're derived from that kind of feel. Did you have those riffs before the songs came about? No. Were they, were they uh, part of the whole thing? When uh, you, when you the song, it's actually Get It Up. Get It Up. Yeah, Get It Up. Um, actually, that song was one of those songs that I didn't know if Sam would sing a song like that. Yeah, and yeah. and my demo was a bit more nine-inch nail sounding, you know. Yeah. It was more like it was kind of like that, and I thought, well, I'll just throw it out. And uh, Chad really liked it, but he said, but uh, let me let me do something different with it. Yeah. You know? And and uh, Chad wanted to have these dynamics. He both he and Sam said, let's do it so it's loud and soft and loud and soft. Yeah, there's quite a bit of that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so I was really happy that they liked that because I like the, the harmony of the song is something that really resonates yeah. with me. Um, and, uh, and and so that's that came from a, a different place, yeah. And Down the Drain, that's another real kick-ass kick sort of Yeah. Number. Now that Down the Drain, I, I'm going to tell you, it's the funniest story. We were about to record, I'm, I'm pretty sure we were about to record uh, Turning Left. Right, and, which and I want to talk about as so well. So I, I tuned up my guitar. You know, when you're in the studio and you're doing takes, you be, you're careful with your guitar. You get it tuned just right, and you, you, you even not, you try not to move and everything because yeah. you want the take to be perfect. And I was just sort of playing a little riff from one of my songs from m many records back, but just checking the tuning. And uh, I, I'm looking up and I see Chad right over there and he starts playing this kind of a kind of funny little thing and I just all of a sudden come in with this bonk dong yeah. and uh -huh. I start playing this riff and I'm playing it very lightly because I don't want to put my guitar out of tune, right? Uh -huh. And I keep thinking, any second we're going to stop and we're going to do what we're supposed to be doing, which is turning left, right? Uh -huh. So I'm not really committed to what I'm playing, I'm just improving. And then I, I hear Sam in the distance in my headphones. He's gone. Is this a new song, Joe? Because they think. <laughs> oh, that's what he says on the record. Cause I was he, trying to work that out. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't heard my yeah. kind of girl yet. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah. At that yeah, point yeah, in yeah. the session. Oh, that's great. So he doesn't know if that's what I'm playing, but I can't hear him because he's not yet in in my headphones, right? So we start playing. All of a sudden, his his uh, mic comes on in my headphones, and he starts singing. Oh, so you know? a, yeah, I wonder what that was. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> so we wrote that song. That's. When I say we wrote it instantly, I mean what you hear oh, is oh, a recording moment. of us writing it. And and <coughs> when we got to the end of it, we all looked back and we said, "You recorded that, I hope." And of course, Andy Jods knew from a second. That's why the guitar suddenly come on because he heard me playing and he, and he thought, "I think Joe's going to play something important. Yeah. I better record this." Well, that's a good job as a producer to yeah. do that. And, and turning left that we just mentioned seems to be the track where everybody explodes, everybody yeah. plays their true potential on the... That could almost be an instrumental. It could be. Uh, except Sammy puts <laughs> it, there's this incredible vocal on there, and one of the things he does, of course, is he actually, he phrases it almost the same way as you play the licks, yeah. which I think is, is fantastic. Yeah. And uh, we, 
did that happen spontaneously or no we uh that was a song that was part of the original six or seven demos that oh, i yeah. wrote okay. for them and again it was a song that had a slightly different drum approach to it and and i wasn't really quite sure how if they would like it or anything like that okay uh, but they all loved it, and of course Chad turned it around, and and Mike played something on the bass that I could never play, you know, yeah. and, and that really propelled it. And then Sam said to me, "I want to do a vocal part that's almost like a horn part." So, and right before we were about to do that take, I think Chad said to me. You know, he goes, you know, back on your demo, weren't you doing some like rhythm thing? And I went, yeah. And he said, why don't you do that again? So I thought, okay. And all of a sudden that take, you know, and I, I went over to the, we were, you know, I was standing by my amp, but my speaker bottom was in an ISO booth to my right. Okay. And, but I realized this is the kind of song where you want to be near your amp. So I opened the two sliding doors so that I could turn my guitar right into the speaker and get feedback. Because oh, yeah. it was the kind of song you have to kind of let loose and... And, and on some of the some of the songs there, you've got different tone colours on your guitar. Mm -hmm. that, that almost sounds eastern on some of them. Do you, yeah. Do you, are you, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you change that according to the song, or the yeah? What you, determines what you do on your guitar? At it's the point, song. Right? You yeah. want you want the song to dictate how you're phrasing. Yeah. How you're setting your amp. Yeah. If you need a twelve string, if you need a B three, you need a banjo, you just do it. So And does Andy Johns ever suggest stuff like that to All you? All the time, yeah. yeah as, as the producer. He, uh, here's a here's a good example. Yeah. So we, we're we're just about finished with my kind of girl and and he says, uh, Joe, I, uh, he said, bear with me for a second. I got this crazy idea and he said, I wanna get I want you to get all your harmonicas out and uh, get a sound that you like out of your, your mini colossal amp there and uh, meet me outside in the in the you know the music room yeah so i go out there and he goes okay what i want you to do is he said i'm gonna i'm gonna give you like eight tracks and i want you to play one note each on the harmonica but you're gonna have to take a really deep breath okay. for these things to go uh, and you know play them out like that so I was like okay I'll, I'll just do what you say we'll yeah. see where this leads uh, that's good. and then after a few moments I come back in and he had multi-tracked all these harmonicas playing almost like an organ part uh. and he just barely mixed it in yeah. with the guitars and it it's the perfect introduction sound to that song where it kind of propels it but you don't know what it is. You yeah. go, what is that yeah. I'm listening to? Yeah, is that yeah. an organ? Is that yeah, those guitars? So. And wow. and uh, so it was fun working with it. And having gone through all the rock stuff before, you, you get to learning to fall, which is all kind of subtlety and restraint. Yeah. I mean, was that a conscious decision to have a kind of rock ballad at the end there, or near the end, we, we to balance had, the whole sequence in out? We actually had two ballads. I mean, we had a lot of songs. Yeah. And it was hard to drop one of the you know one of the two of these things and. I mean, I think there was sometimes we some days we'd go in and we'd say no ballads, you know, <laughs> we're men, no ballads, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then other days, you know, you'd walk in and you go, Sam, I listened to that song and that line yeah. you sing, it's so beautiful. I got we got to do that song. So we just did it. We just, you know, and you can and the the vocal performances is the main vocal is Sam singing live with us. And there was a special moment in the studio, right. you know, because he's singing about something very important, yeah. and he's kind of bearing his soul and being honest in a certain way that I don't think people have heard him sing before. Yeah. And uh, so then, when we were done with that take, it was kind of haunting, just yeah. the the trio yeah. version. Yeah. Yeah. But we decided it needed, you know, the proverbial electric twelve strings, the organ, and 
I piled a mass amount of stuff on that and we, we put it off in a corner and drenched it in some reverb and, it, and it's just very supportive. And then Mike and, and uh, Sam did these beautiful background vocals that are just yeah. huge sounding. So it's, it must be seen quite different when you are a part of an, a, a big hitting band like this. Mm -hmm. You're sitting away, noodling away on you, all this wonderful instrumental stuff and, and you basically do most of it yourself. And here you are with all these four people pulling the thing in different directions. Yeah. And you seem to have come up with something style-wise, material-wise and album-wise that, that, that could run. And I'm wondering, yeah. uh, given the the hard rock edge to it, uh, is one of the reasons you brought Andy in as producer the fact yeah. that he was Absolutely. associated with Zeppelin and Stones yeah. and stuff like that? I'd done The Extremist with him and he had done a Van Halen record, so he wasn't so a stranger to us, Got you it. know. Yeah. Uh, and besides the fact that he's enormously talented, and I, I just had a feeling that what this band needs is the kind of thing that he does naturally. Yeah, you know that he can, he would understand us. I guess that's what it came down to. I yeah. knew that he would understand, not only the band, but he would understand me, and my desires to to make this the best sound it could be. Yeah, to, absolutely. And to, to learn how to be delicate with it, or other times I would trust him if he said, just go out there and just nail it. You know, yeah. I would say, I would, I would feel confident that that was the right decision. So. And what can fans expect from the live show? Is it going to be the whole of the album or some of the album and bits? I want to do the whole album and yeah. then maybe do some cover songs. Would that be in two sets or straight away? Straight through, through I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on a personal note, you're very different to most of your contemporaries because, of course, you were a teacher before you yeah. entered into rock and roll. Did you have to significantly change your style of playing, let alone your lifestyle, when you no. embraced rock? No, because you know, it wasn't like I was a teacher. You know corduroy jacket and the whole thing yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. good morning students yeah, you know? yeah. no I was a rock and roll kid since playing live shows since I was 14 and teaching was just something I did on the side every time I was teaching I was in rock and roll bands that's what I really did right. I was trying to get ahead get a gig like most people but uh, instead of having a straight job during the day teaching just seemed like a more natural thing to do. But it took on a, a big part of your life, of course. It did, but you know, I was just, I taught one kid at a time and it was it was in a music shop, it wasn't in a university or something right. like that. So, and and I looked the same, I was just in t-shirts and yeah. jeans and, uh, yeah. and I teach and then I'd say, gotta go, got, yeah. got a gig, you know. Um, and going back to your early days of, of starting forming bands, who, who were your main influences back then? Hendrix, uh, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, uh, <coughs> Rolling Stones, Beatles, you know. And nowadays? The exact same bands plus yeah. uh, any other good band that you can think of from, you know, I listen to a lot of Radiohead and, and they're as big an influence on me as, uh, you know, as Nine Inch Nails or Rage Against the Machine. And where would you actually, uh, where would you hear those people? Where would I hear them? Yeah, on your computer and stuff like that. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, when you're on the tour bus or something? My computer's got all that stuff in it. My, my iPod's filled with it. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I keep music in the car and I keep it in the house. And That's good, you're listening to it. Yeah. Anyway, this has been Pete Feenstra talking to Joe Satriani. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've waited 23 years to do this. Joe, <laughs> it's been absolutely great. Thank the you band is called Chicken Foot. The album is called Chicken Foot. The album's released on the 6th of June through Adele on the ear. Yes. Imprint. And we're all looking forward to the gig at the Hammersmith. No, we're not. Shepherd's Bush Empire. Shepherd's Bush 25th. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. There's the voice from the 
beyond. And you got the date of the record. It's June 8th. June 8th. He's just messing with you, that's all. Just trying to confuse anyway, you. Shepherd's 54. Bush on the 25th, June 8th for the release of the record, and today is April 6th. See? Thank you, and good afternoon. <laughs> yeah, got it.